here's my question. And I hope you read my column entitled What Joe Knows on BillOReilly.com. But if you read the column, you'll come to the same question that I have arrived at. Is Joe Biden a socialist? Did he change somewhere along the line from a capitalist who has a beach house in Rehoboth, Delaware, a nice Maine residence in Delaware? And I think he's got a couple of other places, too. So has he changed any, you know, he's never had a private job, never really did that. Uh, his wife's an educator, but they got millions of dollars worth of property, you know, but a lot of these politicians have that. So you trace it, comes back to books, lectures, things like that. Okay. So now Joe Biden is basically telling the world, I'm going to govern from a far left point of view. There's no doubt about that. There's no no one can deny that. I mean, I guess Jen Psaki could try because she denies there's a real problem at the border. So she, I guess she could. But um, President Biden is governing from the far, far left. And the question is, is he a socialist? Because the progressive left is generally that. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, you know the deal. Okay, let me throw up uh, three things right off the bat. So this week, as I mentioned, um, the president's going to go to Pittsburgh on Wednesday. He's going to unveil his Build Back Better program. Now, all this is is a massive amount of spending. That's all it is, government spending. So you got $2 trillion on COVID check relief, okay, and other pork. And then you got three children, uh, three children, three trillion, boys and girls, for the Build Back Better plan. Hasn't been passed, all right? So that's $5 trillion of money the government doesn't have. The government doesn't have that in the Treasury, doesn't have it hanging around, doesn't exist. It's $5 trillion. It's a lot of jack. So where are they going to get it? All right. Well, he has to get it from we the people. Unless he's going to sell California to the Chinese. All right. That, that raised a couple of trillion. But I don't think he's going to do that. So he's got to get it for you and me and corporations. And he's got to go into the infrastructure of capitalism and get the money from us in order to pay for this. That's what socialism is, that the strong central government tells you and me how much we can have, how much we can keep from our efforts in the workplace. The government tells us how much. And the socialists say, not so much. No, we want most of it. So corporations basically can go overseas. That's what Trump did. Trump dropped it. I think it was 28 to 21. And he demanded an embarrassed corporation. You could come back to the United States, make your stuff here, hire people here. And it worked. It definitely worked. So now Biden wants to reverse that, just like he reversed the border policy and bring it back up to 29 for corporate tax. In addition to all the taxes they pay to the states and the locals and, and all like that. There's an interesting debate going on between Amazon and some of the far left kooks. Uh, and Amazon's just listening. I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to show you what the debate is. So anyway, uh, President Biden wants the five trillion and he wants to take it from us. So what is that going to mean? I'll tell you, because this is why you watch me. This is right in your personal zone. OK, 
So the first part of the Build Back Better bill, two parts, is going to be green. It's the Green New Deal, essentially, okay, to stop global warming, which it won't stop because of China and India. We've already known that. Everybody knows that. But we're going to do the Green New Deal here. It doesn't matter what they do, according to President Biden. So there are going to be funds given to people who build energy-efficient homes. So they'll get money, all right? Constructing new electrical power lines. All right, that's not a bad thing. I'd like to see all those power lines go underground. Investments in clean energy, I don't know what that means. The federal government doesn't know what it means. I remember Solyndra, I mean, you know, come on. But they're going to give billions of dollars to develop clean energy and funding to build millions of new energy-efficient homes and retrofit existing buildings to increase efficiency. So there's going to be a lot of money flowing out of Washington into private hands, and God knows what those private hands are going to do with the money. Nobody can keep track of this. Now, the second part of the Build Back Better bill is um, giveaways, okay? This is what they call income inequality. If you're not making a lot of money, if you're living in poverty, uh, Biden's crew is going to just give you as much stuff as possible. So it would spend heavily on education programs meant to increase the participation of women in the labor force. I I mean, you know, I I think women make up half the labor force now. All right, expand subsidies for low and middle income Americans to buy health insurance. That's Obamacare. We already have that. Okay. And tax credits aimed at cutting poverty, particularly for children. So it's basically you're going to get everything free if you're below a certain income level. Everything's going to be free. Government's going to pick up the tabs for everything. Your food, your housing, your daycare, your education, everything. That's what socialism is. And that's what Biden wants. Now, taxes. So you're going to have to raise taxes on what he calls the wealthy. He swears that no one earning less than $400,000 is going to be taxed in this $5 trillion thing. That's not true. We're already seeing price of gas. That's a tax. I was the first one to break this story. I knew the, the moment after he attacked the oil and gas industry, stopped the pipeline, the XL pipeline, um, stopped drilling on federal land, I knew that the oil and gas companies were going to raise prices, which they absolutely did. And so we were down here where I am on Long Island, about 2.15 a gallon. By 4th of July, we'll be about 3.30, more than a buck a gallon more. That's where we're going to be. That's a tax. If Trump had been reelected president, that wouldn't be happening. Do we ever all understand that? Well, Biden's never going to tell you that because he's not honest to you. Does Biden even know it? I don't even know if he knows it. Again, I go back to the fact that Joe Biden, it's a lot of stuff that he doesn't know. Okay. Then the corporate tax, that's going up. And then the corporation is going to pass on the extra tax they have to pay to us. All right. Cars are going to be higher. Price of a car. Okay. Everything could be higher because they're not going to take a haircut, an 8% haircut. That's not what corporations do. They're going to move a lot of stuff offshore. There'll be millions of jobs lost 
millions over a three-year period. And that'll sink the Biden administration, by the way. So all of this is going to happen, but it's going to happen in a way that really hurts the Biden administration. But here's, there's two things coming that you don't know about because the press won't tell you about. I don't even know the press knows, but I know. The first one was given away by the new transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg. Roll the tape. What about a mileage-based tax? So I think that shows a lot of promise. If, if we believe in that so-called user pays principle, the idea that part of how we pay for roads is you pay based on how much you drive, uh, the gas tax used to be the obvious way to do it. It's not anymore. So a so-called vehicle miles traveled tax or mileage tax, whatever you want to call it, could be a way to do it. <laughs> Get it? Get it? So they're going to track your mileage in your car. And you're going to pay for every mile you drive to the federal government. That's coming. I don't know if it's going to get passed because that's so outrageous, so intrusive, so anti-capitalism. You're going to try. Now, the other one is Internet. They're going to try to tax it. I don't know how because I don't know much about cyberspace. All right. They're going to try somehow. Now, all of this is intrusive, not only on our wallets, but on our privacy. She want the government knowing how many miles you drive, where you go, how much you use the Internet. You want that? So the 14th Amendment says this. Put it up on the screen. All persons born and naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protections of law, 14th Amendment. Okay? Now, it says state. It doesn't say federal government in there. So... A wealth tax is a confiscation of your private property. It's a government official coming in, evaluating what you have, and slapping a tax on what you've already bought with post-tax dollars. That's seizure. But the amendment, all right, says no state should do it. Now, I think the Supreme Court will rule that includes the federal government, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure, okay? But there will be a court challenge to the Supreme Court on this. But what you should know and what's important is they want to do it. The progressive left wants to do it. See, I don't, as a capitalist and as a person who wants freedom and wants to be protected from government intrusion, I don't know how any American can vote Democrat. I don't know how anybody can do it. Yeah, okay, you hate Trump, fine. But do you not see what's coming? Do you not see it? And Biden's like, Biden's not going to stand up against the progressives ever. 
Who is there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The foundations in the line of duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 Remembrance Across America, over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings and barbecues, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. All right, I want to do this guns in America thing. It's a little complicated now. Uh, emotional subject, obviously. So I had another uh, terrible situation in Colorado. And I'm going to give you some stats. And I, I always uh, suggest that you watch this program with a pen and paper. Stats are important. So we have 10 dead in Colorado. This Syrian guy comes in with uh, a rifle and shoots him down. That's coming off last week in Atlanta, where you got this 21-year-old emotionally disturbed guy, shoots down a bunch of people in Asian businesses. Okay, so the FBI keeps very exact stats of gun, so-called gun crimes, all right? Crimes committed by people with guns. So 2019, last stats available, um, there were... 10,258 gun homicides, 10,258, all right? That was 74% of all homicides. Remember, we live in a country of 330 million people and another 11, 12 illegal aliens, all right? So 350 probably with tourists and stuff like that. So again, 74% of all homicides in the year 2019 were caused by people using firearms. Mass public shootings, that's Colorado and Atlanta. What percentage of them, you think? Mass public shootings, 2019, 0.2%. This, okay? Now, they get big headlines. And they're horrible because a random shooting isn't like drug gangs shooting it out. You know the difference. It's people in a grocery store and all of a sudden they're dead. Okay, but 0.2%. That's it. Now that number was from 2018 from a study by the University of California, Davis. Very liberal school. So keep that in mind when I run this down for you. So Joe Biden immediately um, exploits, all right, maybe that's too harsh a word, um, the Colorado killings. And I want to ban assault weapons, and I want to ban magazines, and I want to do background checks, whatever it may be. Now, reasonable people, 
not people who are blinded by emotion or ideology, but reasonable people can sit down, and I believe in this country, could come up with public safety laws that do not intrude on the Constitution. I believe that. But now we can't do that because the polarization between the conservative, traditional gun owner and gun supporters and the left is so big, you can't breach it. So the progressive left wants to ban all guns in private hands. Maybe they would give you a hunting rifle, maybe, all right? But all handguns, all heavier weapons, no. That's what the progressive left wants. Conservatives understand that, all right? They, they understand that the liberal people don't want a handgun in the hands of private citizens. Now, the conservative right believes that the government is generally oppressive. The federal government is oppressive and a threat to them, all right? They want smaller government. That's what conservatives want. They don't want to be told what to do by the government. And they understand that the Second Amendment gives them the right to defend themselves. Now, most people defend themselves with a handgun or a rifle. But some want the ARs, the bigger weaponry. And that's where the debate should lie. Okay? But that's not the debate. Because the right and the traditional people aren't going to give an inch because they don't trust the government. Oh, if we give them this, if we make the ARs, uh, you have to register them or you, they're banned or whatever, then the next step is the handgun. That's the slippery slope. The left basically says, we don't care what you Neanderthals, deplorables think. We want a major overhaul in this country where the federal government calls all the shots, not the states, all right, the feds, all the shots, what protection you can have, how much money you can have. That's what we want. So you see, the two forces are so far apart that neither of them are going to give anything. So you're not going to get anything done. Now, Biden said, oh, I might do an executive order. Uh, he can't. So Anthony Mason, aforementioned CBS correspondent, asked Kamala Harris, is uh, the president going to do an executive order limiting guns? Harris wouldn't answer. Because he's not. Because 20 minutes after he did that, a federal judge in Texas or Florida or Wyoming or wherever would say, you can't do it, I'm blocking it. Biden knows that. The only way we're going to get any kind of change in the way that guns are licensed is if Congress makes a new law. And as I said, reasonable people can come to some public safety conclusions. But we're not talking about reason now. We're talking about a titanic struggle about how this country is being run. And that bleeds over, pardon the pun, 
into the gun crime area. One final thing. Most of the gun crime, as I just proved to you, are criminals killing people for money, for drug turf wars, for holdups, for assassinations, for extortions gone wrong. That's what most gun homicides are. The federal government won't do anything about them. And Chicago is the best example. For decades, we have had tens of thousands of African-Americans killed or maimed by guns. And who was wielding the guns? Other African-American criminals. That's who. Have you seen anything from the federal government? Any kind of mitigation there? No. I told you that Pritzker, the governor of Illinois, is the worst governor in the history of this country. And the mayors of Chicago are ridiculous. A seven-year-old could do a better job than that. But unless the federal government says, and this is Congress, we're going to make all gun crimes federal crimes. And if you have a gun in the commission of a crime, any crime, you get a mandatory eight years in a federal penitentiary on a top of what other crime you did. Now, if the federal government would do that, and certainly they should, all right, because any criminal with a gun is a deadly threat. It's a deadly threat. You have no right to commit a crime with a gun. And the state of Illinois, the city of Chicago, they're not going to do anything to you. They arrest guys all day long with guns, gang, or gang members. They're, they're out the same day. They don't care. They want to take the guns away from the law-abiding people, but they won't do anything about the criminal element. But if Congress would say, okay, in addition to banning the ARs, we're going to slap on mandatory federal prison terms for any drug guy with a gun or burglar with a gun or robber with a gun, we're going to do that too. Because that would bring down the gun homicides. Right? Yes, I'm right. Then the conservatives would say, all right, you're trying to deal with the problem in a fair way. Because nobody wants armed criminals roaming around. Right? But no. If I submitted tomorrow to the Democratic Congress, to Pelosi and Schumer, what I just told you, please federalize all gun crimes and give them mandatories, the criminals who commit crimes with guns, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. In fact, in Chicago and New York and L.A. and other places, they're letting these gun criminals out. Oh, we can't do that. Oh, no. No, their ancestors were slaves. Oh, we can't. Oh, it's not their fault. So conservatives and traditional Americans are not going to compromise, knowing that it's, it's a sham. Congress doesn't want to stop gun homicides. It doesn't. Biden would never get behind what I just told you. Trump didn't. Obama didn't. Bush the Younger didn't. Bill Clinton didn't. 
None of them will. We can wipe this out. All right, I have my say. Bill at BillOReilly.com. You want to disagree or, you know, and don't be a nut when you write to me, please. Just, if you disagree, I love that. But don't be alone. Hey, guys, it's Vivek Ramaswamy here, inviting you to listen to my podcast, Truth. We just relaunched it after the campaign, and we are already riding up the podcast charts. Here's why. I think that hard, in-depth conversations about the tough issues is the only way we're going to get this country back. Because make no mistake, we are currently in a war for the future of America, and you cannot win a war unless you're willing to speak the truth. If you want standard conservative talking points, this podcast is not for you. But if you want to go deeper and hear the conversations you're not going to find anywhere else, the conversations that will challenge you, that will challenge me, then subscribe to Truth with Vivek Ramaswamy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I promise you, you're going to cover terrain that you're not going to hear elsewhere. So you're writing me letters. What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? And I can't give you personal financial advice. All right. That's for these radio guys or whoever does that. I I can't do that. If you're a concierge member to BillOReilly.com, I can tell you what I'm doing. That's allowed. But I want to bring in a guy that I've worked with for many years in the first part of my association with the Oxford Club, all I was was a subscriber, an anonymous subscriber, all right? And I got their newsletter, and I did some of what they suggested, and, and it worked out for me. So I bought a lifetime membership. And again, I didn't have any contact with anybody at Oxford. I just said it was pretty good. And then they got onto it. They're not real swift on the uptake. It took them like 12 years to figure out, oh, that might be Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> And then they said, hey, would you interview uh, one of our top guys, Alex Green? And I said, sure. And the reason I did it, because I don't do this stuff often, was because I wanted you to see what Green has to say. You see, if it worked for me, it could work for you. That's the only reason I did it. So here's Alex Green from Orlando, Florida. He is the chief investment strategist for the Oxford Club. Now, that's a pretty fair setup, would you say? I'd say it was. And th- thank you for being a subscriber, Bill. <laughs> well, listen, it was for my benefit. I wasn't doing you any favors. Your advice worked for me. Might not work for somebody else. I always say you're going to get into the investment game, no matter what the investment is, you could lose. So always keep that in mind. Okay, so I'm getting these letters and people are basically saying they want me to be Karnak the Magnificent, the old Johnny Carson, and predict what's going to happen. And I can't. What do you see for the stock market the rest of 2021? Right. Well, uh, I I should begin by saying that not just me and not just you, but no one can accurately and consistently predict what the economy is going to do. It's just too complicated. There's too many moving parts. You've got interest rates and currencies and commodity prices and government policies and scientific innovations and business developments and so on. However, I will say that uh, Joe Biden, uh, while he inherited the pandemic, he also inherited some pretty positive things, including a Federal Reserve that's just pulling out all the stops. I mean, they're, they're buying up bonds to reduce uh, yields to stimulate growth. They're holding interest rates near zero, which makes it cheaper for consumers and businesses and governments to borrow. Um, and of course, the government has spent 
uh, not just spend, but our deficit for the last 13 months, when you include the new $1.9 trillion relief package, um, is $6.4 trillion in additional debt. So when you have ultra low interest rates and trillions of dollars in deficit spending, obviously that's going to have a positive economic effect. And that's what the, the economy, but uh, investors sense is that when you look forward between the pandemic receding and the economy, economy reopening and all these consumers flush with cash because of the stimulus and because the savings rates at a 50 year high, it's very likely that the second half of this year is going to be a barn burner because everyone's going to get out and dine and travel and spend and make up for lost time. And so that's a near term plus for the economy and the stock market simply reflecting that reality. All right. Let me stop you there. So a lot of people say the debt at 30 trillion is unsustainable. You can't sustain it. And that right. will down the road. Nobody knows when come yeah. back and make uh, the economy painful. How yes. would that unfold? We're, we're talking now um, conjecture, but how would that unfold? Well, you, you can look uh, throughout history and see that there have been countries like Greece and Argentina and Zimbabwe and going back to the Weimar Republic. When debt gets out of hand, it, it produces an economic catastrophe. However, that catastrophe isn't going to happen until investors uh, start to sense that the government can't actually finance its debt when it has trouble making uh, the interest payments on the debt, which could happen if interest rates normalize. I mean, we, we've had ultra low interest rates for so low. If interest rates would go to four or five percent on government debt, it means that the, the what the government would be paying annually would be trillions more in, in interest and it could have a, all kinds of negative ramifications. So the market's ignoring that now because investors look out six to nine months, not six to nine years. I'm not saying it would take that long, but no one no one is, has any concern that the U.S. government isn't going to be able to finance its its debt for the next year or two. So, okay. so that's is there, is there any way that any way that individuals can protect themselves from six years from now when all this comes comes home? Right. Well, it's, it's, it's probably too early to protect yourself from the debt that's mounting now. But ultimately, they need inflation hedges like Treasury, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities or TIPS for short. Uh, gold is an inflation hedge, gold and silver and gold equities, the companies that pull those out of the ground. Natural resource companies of all kinds like oil and gas. Um, but uh, I think it's it's important for all investors to remember you want to have a diversified portfolio. You want to you want to have something in case the future is is worse than people expect, but you want to also have something in case it's better than people expect. Yeah, because, I, I got it. I got it. So the commodities and the gold and the silver at least afford you some kind of protection if the worst happens. Now let's go into the taxes. There's no doubt that the Biden administration is going to raise taxes or try. Maybe the Republicans will be able to block it in the Senate. Maybe not. Um, the wealth tax is in play. Um, that's confiscation of private property. And people go, well, I want to hand money down to my parent, uh, my, my children and grandchildren. Uh, how do I do that? I say that everybody now with assets has to have a lawyer, a financial lawyer to help them navigate themselves because you're going to need to protect your money against the government. The government's coming for your money. Am I wrong? Right. right. 
Uh, no, you're absolutely right. In fact, Joe Biden ran promising to raise individual tax rates, promising to raise the corporate tax rate, promising to raise taxes on dividends and capital gains. Uh, and it's, it's no secret. I'm hoping the wealth tax doesn't happen because, Bill, I agree with you. It's flatly unconstitutional. The Fifth Amendment of the United States says plainly that to take private property for public uses requires uh, just compensation. So you, you can't just come in and take someone's money or assets because they have a lot of it. But you, your introduction was absolutely right, Bill. When, when the government raises taxes on corporations and affluent individuals, a company, anything that, that the government does to, to encourage business formation and expansion is positive for people because that means uh, if they have a tax cut as the one Trump enacted, they have more money to expand, more money for research and development, more money for capital equipment, more money for hiring, more money for technology or for raising wages. Uh, and if you raise taxes, they have less money for all those things. And so people who think it's only right that government raise taxes on corporations, they need to understand, first of all, we had the highest corporate tax rate in the developed world at 35%. And under the Trump administration, they brought it down to 21%. And according to the Tax Foundation, the average uh, corporate tax rate in Europe, in the European Union, is 21.8%. So this, it's, it's not like we're giving money away to corporations. And if we raise corporate tax rates, we make U.S. corporations less globally competitive. How is that a good thing for American workers? They have less money to for wages and equipment and technology. It's, and it's going to hurt. Dividend. And you Air think Biden. that Biden would know that after eight years of Obama, after eight years where the economy was more abundant, didn't do anything, uh, no exactly. matter what kind of propaganda they would. All right, last question. So um, I'm in a position where I'm looking at a whole bunch of things to protect my assets and to be able to pass my assets down, not only my children, but to charitable foundations and things like that. But this takes... It takes a little bit of money. You're going to have to spend it on advisors and lawyers and things like that. But it's, I think this is the key. You really have to know all of your options to protect yourself against your own government. Because these right. people, if they get more power, these progressives, they want socialism. Last word. Right. Well, you're right, Bill. When the, when the income tax was enacted, only the top 1% paid any tax at all. If we have a wealth tax enacted... Maybe it's first billionaires, then millionaires, then the, the upper middle class. So to get their foot in the door and even begin taxing wealth is, I think, is, is a huge negative, not to mention unconstitutional. And raising interest rates on individuals and corporations is the wrong way to go about it. A better thing to do is to raise the tax base by growing the economy, simplifying the tax code, eliminating all the loopholes that people have to buy expensive tax shelters and lawyers. And because I don't any more than you, I don't want to see billionaires not paying any taxes. So yeah, let's just have a flat tax or a, a VAT tax. or a temporary VAT to overcome the COVID stuff. There are creative ways, but that's not you know what that these people don't want that, Alex. They want to punish no. the wealthy. They want it to takes punish the, it takes away their power. They, they want right. to tweak the tax code so that they can uh, use their power and get reelected, too. Yeah, because the more money you have, the more freedom you have, the more uh, personal power you have. They don't want that. And that's what's going on. Alex Green uh, from the Oxford Club. Uh, I talked with Alex recently about the future of, uh, of technology and how that's going to uh, change the stock market and all that. So you might want to check all that out. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. Now, here you go. You ready for this? No one will report this but me. You ready? 
Great Britain has announced plans to toughen asylum rules. Ooh, Great Britain. Great Britain will now send back people who travel through the EU to get there and apply for asylum because it's out of control in Britain as well. The reason that Great Britain left the EU is it didn't want this flood of foreign nationals coming in. That's the Brexit vote. But now they still come in and they want asylum, just like here. And now Great Britain goes, no, we send you back. So I'd like to know. All right, COVID. So the Miami Heat, beginning on April Fool's Day, going to have sections in, I think it's the American Airlines Arena down there. Nice arena. I've been there. Um, for vaxxed people. So you get your own, own entrance. You get into the game, the Miami Heat. You get your own little uh, section where you can sit. Still got to wear masks. Now, this is the wave of the future. So by the end of May, Memorial Day, most Americans will be vaxxed. Things will be getting back to normal. But I think many, perhaps most of the public venues can still want you to wear the mask. But if you're vaxxed, you're going to get in fast track places. You're going to get more privileges. And that's going to happen. But in Europe, Angela Merkel, perhaps, no, nah, she's not the worst, but she's bad. So she told all the Germans, you're going to shut down for five days over Easter weekend. Everybody shuts down. Riots in the street. Angela, oh, and now she's reversed it. She's reversed it. Why? Because she's afraid that the people will physically do damage in Germany. Okay? Now, Germany's got a 91% increase in COVID cases. In France, seven-day average of new infections up 80%. Italy, 25%. Ireland, 150%. Ireland's closed because I was going to try to get there in June. It's closed. All right. Poland, 71%. So COVID is raging. And I have another interesting stat. I hope I can find it here. Um, Only about 4% of Europeans are fully vaxxed, 4.2%. That's in Germany, but that, I think that's across the continent about that, according to Robert Koch Institute. So we have, we're approaching 50%. They got four. Why? I told you why. Because capitalism, American style, led to the development quickly of the vaccine. Europe don't have it. Because they don't have capitalism. They have socialism. Government runs everything. Government couldn't get a vax. Sweden doesn't have the vax. Greece doesn't have it. Spain, no vax. Germany, no, 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 no. We don't have a vax. So they're dependent upon us sending them vax. Or Great Britain. Great Britain's going, we're not going to send you vax. We're going to get all our people vax first. All right. So there you go. You want to live over there? Go ahead. Have fun. Here, the socialists are running wild because Joe Biden is doing what they want. So uh, there is a legislation in the House that will provide 2,000 monthly payments, 2,000 bucks a month to everybody, all right, including illegal aliens. And then 1,000 a month 
until a year after the pandemic ends, which officially wouldn't be for a while. Okay, so this is sponsored by our our pal Ilan Omar. Oh, don't you love her? She's just so good. Uh, The Democrat from Minnesota. And the others that signed on to it are uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Jesus Garcia, Illinois, Eleanor Holmes Norton, D.C., Ayanna Presley, Massachusetts, and Cori Bush, Missouri. There they are. These are the socialists. Okay? So free money for everybody. Now, we can't afford this. Can't even come close to affording it. It's not going to get through, but you should know who the socialists are. Um, New York is going to legalize pot, and there's one big reason why. I told that to Bernie and Sid on WABC this morning. Go. The last thing, Bill O'Reilly, speaking of a word of the day, doobies, uh, the governor is going to sign legislation soon legalizing weed in, yeah. in New York State. Well, here's the story, and I want to break it on the Bernie and the Sid show. Um, the governor needs to smoke as much pot as possible. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I mean, so that's what this is all about. I mean, come on. If you're him... And you go, hey, uh, it's not going real well. Why don't you bring that over here, and now I can't get in trouble. That's that's the inside story. (laughs) Okay. Um, Pot in New York, that'll be great. Uh, Yeah. That's all we need. More intoxicated drivers on the roads, more kids at 9 and 10. Smoking weed. That's what we want. Let's make it let's make it easier. It's easy now to get it in the inner city. But let's make it easier for the kids in the suburbs to get hey, yeah, let's get everybody pot. Yeah. Let's get every it's great. All right, this day in history, March twenty fifth. Did you know it's waffle day? It is waffle day. All over the world, not just here. International Waffle Day is March twenty fifth. Now The waffle was actually invented in Greece way back, the ancient Greek. Now, I don't think there was an Athens waffle house back the uh, Spartans and Athenians. I don't think so, but they invented it. And then it spread to Europe and it went to Sweden, was big, big on those waffles. All right. And they had um, Vufagen was a waffle treat that the Swedes would give their kids right before Easter. That's why March 25th is Waffle Day. And uh, now waffles are everywhere. In 1620, the pilgrims brought waffles to the New World. In 1620, 1725, the word waffle appeared in Robert Smith's cookbook, Court Cookery. In 1789, Thomas Jefferson returned to the U.S. from France with many waffle recipes. So what you'd like to know is Waffle Day. I bet you didn't know that. And uh, I like waffles. I'm a big waffle guy. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has a 
over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. All right, last week, here's the final thought of the day. I mentioned that the urchins and my urchins think I'm the strictest parent in my Long Island neighborhood. Well, a lot of people saw and heard that, and now there's controversy because all the kids are saying, no, Mr. O'Reilly isn't as strict as this other lady is. She's stricter than Mr. O'Reilly. So it's like a big thing back and forth here. So I know the other lady and I know her urchins and all those urchins turned out really well. So if she's stricter than me, good for her. I don't think I'm that strict a parent. All right. I'm not demanding anything other than the urchins be responsible. We have one rule. We have we have rules like got to clean up your room. You got to keep your person neat. uh, You got to go to church. You know, we have that, but nothing onerous. Just regular rules. But the one thing that I absolutely have imposed is the O'Reilly philosophy. If you say you're going to do it, you do it. Even if it's a little thing. Even if it's, well, I'll text you. You text. That's our philosophy. If you say you're going to do it, you do it. Now, strict, that's strict. I'm just trying to lay a pathway to success. And I believe parents have to have rules in order for success to happen on the urchin front. We'll see you tomorrow.